Welcome Black Hollywood Live fans. On today's Fit Club, we talk Beyonce, Serena, Demi, and more with voice alum and current coach on the four, Courtney Harrell. Stay tuned for more. You're tuned into Black Hollywood Live, Fit Club. Welcome back, Fit Clubbers. We are back with an all-new show, some great topics today. Again, I'm your host, Shaka Smith. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at Shaka Strong. I've got TK Trinidad. What's up, y'all? My name is TK Trinidad. You can find me on everything at TK Trinidad. And we are joined by voice alum Courtney Harrell, current coach on the floor. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be back. Yes, and where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram at I am Courtney Harrell, Twitter at Courtney Harrell, Facebook the same. Nice. Getting everywhere. Nice Getting everywhere. Let's yeah. spread that social. <laughs> um, we've got some great stories today, and we have our uh, Fit Club 5 later for you. We ask you some five five rapid-fire questions. Okay. Answer off top. Okay. Forgot to tell you about that earlier. Yeah. So it'll be That's okay. It'll be natural. It'll yeah. be natural. <laughs> real surprise. Um, but uh, the first the first story um, surrounds Beyonce and Serena. Um, we know that they actually both went through very complicated pregnancies. Mm-hmm. Beyonce, it seems, actually suffered from preeclampsia, which is protein in the urine and high blood pressure. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had a C-section and was forced to be on bed rest for about a month prior to the pregnancy. And she said that she went through self-love and self-care, and she said that she really embraced her curves and accepted uh, what her body wanted to be. Uh, and I think you were saying, TK, something about uh, the fupa that she started to embrace. So yeah. she's been on tour, I don't know, maybe last month or so, So, and it's maybe about a week and a half. Everybody was speculating that she was pregnant, because the last time... Oh, you don't need to wait. I'm sorry, yeah. baby. <laughs> um, so the last, time, the last time she was on tour... Um, she was pregnant and then yeah. the last time she did a performance you know it's kind of the, so they're trying to follow the pattern turns out she wasn't pregnant she just didn't not I shouldn't say she didn't bother lose the weight but like she said in the article it's like this is where my body's at and when I'm ready to kind of go hard and go in the paint then I will but I'm comfortable with where my body's at it now so yeah. she pretty much just told her fans or more, not her fans more of the haters just like you know get yeah, life. well this is real life yeah yeah uh, what what has been your experience with that as a mother and then being in the public um, spotlight and then having to coach people that are going to maybe have a long career in the industry? Yeah, I applaud her. Yeah. Um, I think it's very brave to honor where your body is. And that's mm-hmm. even crazy to even have to say that. Yeah. It's brave to honor <coughs> what your body does naturally after, like, <laughs> performing a miracle. Yeah. Um, but it definitely is something that I struggle with um, and, and struggled with after having my son because I had him so young. Mm-hmm. The weight came off rather quickly and yeah. breastfeeding, that burns like 500 calories. So I did that for a long <laughs> time. It helped, but... You know, as I'm getting older, my body is doing its own thing. And I'm at a place now where I'm trying to really just embrace where it is, but it's difficult. So the fact that she's able to do that after setting such a high standard, um, and I don't think she did it intentionally, but we all admire her for how fierce she is in every way. I think it's amazing, and I really... You know, applaud her for that. Yeah, and a conversation I've been having a lot, I feel like a lot of people in the black community are having, is allowing ourselves to take care of ourselves. Mm. Because you always felt like, well, I'm already running this race 10 paces behind, mm-hmm. I can't let up. But mm-hmm. you realize not doing so actually leaves you at a disadvantage. Yeah, it definitely does. Wait, I mean, well, go ahead. What are you going to say? Um, my, my whole life right now is centered around self love. Yeah. Um, you got to make sure your, 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 your tank is 
is wait, wait, full. Wait, speaking of self-love, you had a 21-day challenge on Instagram. I, I did. Yeah, yeah, I so, did. I had yeah. the Love Yourself Happy Challenge, yes. which will be coming back. Where, where did that come from? How did that start? Um, I battle with uh, depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have my whole life. Yeah. And I think like a lot of people, we wait for this thing to happen to kind of make us happy. And I've learned over the last maybe seven years that that's just not how it works. You have to give it to yourself first. Um, So the idea was for me to find one thing and invite other people to do the same. Find one thing that makes them as happy as you would as a a kid. And so for me, it was like, okay, I'm going to go roller skating because I haven't done that in forever. Um, I may fall and look like an idiot. But I'm happy. <laughs> yeah. um, and one one day I decided to go horseback riding. But it could be something as simple as buying myself flowers. I love flowers. Yeah. There's no one buying them. And then me. putting it on Instagram yeah. to show to people, say, yeah. "Hey, this is it." I also, to be quite honest, um, wanted to change the narrative that we see about Black women in media, mm-hmm. which is the ABW. We're all angry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're all bitter and we're all mad because we ain't got a man. I'm not that woman <laughs> at all. Like, yeah. I know there are reasons for women to feel that way, black women in particular, but my friends are happy. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, we we got pictures that are Pinterest worthy. Yeah. You ever been on Pinterest? And yeah, see, like, yeah. <laughs> and that's what I wanted. I'm like, listen, I see all these white women living the, their best lives. Yeah. We need to see us doing the same thing. So that was the motivation behind that. I love that. Did it did it did it change the way you relate to Instagram? Like, did, were you able to get rid of? At least for me, before I post a photo, I'm like, I, I want it to look great and perfect. If I'm just posting for happiness, I'm just going to post whatever, and it's going to get rid of, I guess, a little bit of that. A little bit. There are a couple on there. It's like, girl, you look a mess. Uh, but not completely. I, I'm not. I'm not free from that. That's why, I, like, I applaud um, Beyonce because I'm. I'm not there yet. So. Well, you have to remember Beyonce how she trekked her career. Like mm-hmm. she, she's she's a go getter, yeah. and she did everything. I, I'm assuming you know the pregnancy. There, there have been rumors that the pregnancy wasn't a natural pregnancy. Like it was artificial, artificial mm-hmm. insemination, all that stuff. And she did everything. You know what, how she wants to do it. If you notice her Instagram, she drops plain pictures when she feels like dropping mm-hmm. it. She doesn't yeah. post every day, all yeah. this other stuff. So, I mean, she's at the position where she can say, This is my body, deal with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's also showing it's great for other young women looking at her. She, yeah. if you notice the whole thing with the Super Bowl when she came in, like, you know, more, she talked about more black issues, all this mm-hmm. other stuff. She wasn't yeah. doing that 10 years ago. Yeah. So, you can definitely see that she's more comfortable in, in herself. Yeah. But I think that's the natural progression of anybody who is self-aware or trying to be self-aware. That's ha- what happened. She's 36 years old. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if she hasn't come to that point and she's still like, you know, trying to suck it in or have, you know, doing the whole Kardashian effect of having people, you know, change the picture. <laughs> you know, you're not really acknowledging yourself. Yeah. Like she might be okay with it now. Six months from now, she might not be okay with it and she works hard and gets rid of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can't hate her for that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Beyonce's queen. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, yeah. another queen, Serena, also had uh, some trouble with um, pregnancy, C-section, mm. um, blood clots, hematoma um, in the abdomen and was actually on bed rest for six weeks afterwards and, as we know, went to the Wimbledon final after that. Mm-hmm. Was crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, that was before. Huh? That was before. She went to after after the, all of this. She goes mm. to the woman in final, like insane. Um, but what we do know is that 830 um, women actually die every year, uh, every day from preventable deaths. 700 every year in the U.S. But um, worldwide, 830 women die every day for prevent for preventable death. Uh, and she actually had to push her medical team to check for the blood clots in her lungs. It's Serena Williams, mm-hmm. she's all this access, but she has to tell her medical team what to do. And I, uh, you know, a lot of it comes from just 
not really necessarily trusting black women when they're when they're telling the doctor, "Here's what's wrong with me." Mm-hmm. And just have you have you had to deal with any of that where you have to be very proactive about your own medical care and some of the advice you're getting in order to feel like you're getting the adequate amount of care? Um, not personally, but I definitely have seen that with like my mom, yeah, um, my dad even. Um, you have to fight for it. Like I'm the advocate for them. Yeah. So fortunately and, and thankfully I've predominantly been quite healthy. Yeah. Um, at least physiologically healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do know that it's an issue with my best friend who just, um, she's so badass. She just kicked one of the worst cancers you can have wow. in seven months time. But we had to, you know, be yeah. aggressive. Mm-hmm with her treatment and searching for things that were going to um, be life or death for her. Yeah, because a lot of us accept exactly what we hear from the doctors without doing more. Mm -mm. I don't believe in that. I think it also has to come with... um the preventative so mm-hmm. like you know it's it's people who go to the jo- doctor on a yearly basis who are very in tune with their body so if the doctor one year tells you something but you know your body's been doing this then mm-hmm. you're going to be like okay well no my body's doing this so that you can now you know fight for that yeah. but if you're not going to the regular checkups or if you're not you know you're eating all this type of food and you're not really in tune with your body it's a lot harder to kind of question that doctor because you know you don't know what's going on mm-hmm. so that's why it's so important to kind of know like uh, Dr. Oz talked about it like five or six years ago. Know what your poop looks like in the toilet. Know, yeah. like, know, know all these little things about yourself because at the end of the day, even though that doctor has went to school for 10 years, he went to school 10 years to kind of cover the broad sense, not necessarily you your in particular case. So yeah. you just never know. So, I mean, you have to definitely be uh, aggressive. And that's where the, the whole thing is, the, the, especially with black women, where it's like you're, you're aggressive because you want to find an answer, not because you're angry. Yeah. But then people take that into account mm. and then it's just a whole other thing. So you have to find a doctor who's understanding, who doesn't take offense to it. Because I find myself when I'm aggressive in a certain situation, I have to let, let them know, like, no, I, I know this is not part of your job. Like, I have to kind of calm myself and also <laughs> calm themselves, calm them down, too, because it's like, I don't want you to now kind of get upset at me because mm-hmm. I'm trying to help myself. Heal myself. So yeah. it's just kind of like you have to come up with this backwards, like, okay, no, it's not you. I know it's not part of your job, but this is what I'm trying to do. So if yeah. you can't answer these questions, then I need you to find somebody who can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and the fact that we have to do that, it's a whole... Another, another, another thing. <laughs> but did you did you find yourself advising your um, your mentees on the four holistically in that way of like taking care of yourself, making sure that fitness is a part of your routine that you can't just be you know this great voice without also the package. Absolutely, to a degree. Yeah. primarily because I'd been in their position on another show. Yeah. So. Fitness is important to anything that you're doing, but when you're in an environment that is prone to high stress Mm -hmm. in the way that that show is, you're not going to survive it without taking care of yourself. Um, So they didn't always have the time to work out, which is the the hard part, Um, but definitely making sure they got enough sleep, making sure they were getting enough, you know, hydration so that their vocal cords would not freeze up on them. And I encouraged... um, Meditation, affirmations. Nice. I encouraged all of that because it's it's an environment where you're it, it, it can cause you to doubt yourself. Yeah. They're actually looking to see <laughs> do you really believe in yourself? So you're provoked to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, 
by the environment and then also by the people that you're challenging, the, those who are in that, you know, those four seats and then the challengers who are coming to get a four seat. It's it's intense. So, yeah, yeah I definitely encourage them to take care of themselves. And how did they how did they cope? Because it, it's so different when you're a singer versus when you're on set and you're filming. Mm. And, you know, filming has a different life of itself. So it, it was it difficult for some of them to be singers on a show? Absolutely. There are some that are just incredible, but when they got to that stage, you couldn't tell, unfortunately. (laughs) But it's, you know, it's again, it's a psychologically you need to be fit. How did you overcome that? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I did a lot of the things that that I told them to do. I I don't know if I fully I mean, I overcame it in that I I went pretty far, especially considering not having sung you know, for as long as I did, I feel like I kicked ass. And you said you almost forgot the words because they started clapping oh, so early. Oh, I totally <laughs> forgot the words. I totally forgot yeah. the words, but I, you know, I prepared yeah. for that. Yeah. And I had a coach um, outside of my time on The Voice that prepared me for that. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, you need a you need a team. It takes a village, and mm-hmm. there's Beyonce isn't Beyonce by herself. Yeah. You know, Serena isn't Serena by herself. They have people who are there supporting them and making sure that all they have to worry about is their job. Yeah. Not trying to figure out, you know, the ins and outs and everything of everything else. And what I found as a coach is that a lot of these artists who are independent are used to handling everything. Mm -hmm. So it was hard for them to let go. Yeah. And just be. Yeah. You know, that was a challenge for a lot of them, but you got to be strong AF to pull this off. (laughs) Um, That's crazy. But I love that you say preparation. So preparation is key. Absolutely. You can't do it without being prepared. And what's interesting is this show, you can get called because it's it's like um, a rolling enrollment process, right? It's always open. So they could have shot an episode and you could be at home watching it, and they call you two days before they want and you, you to come be in. in there. Wow! So you have to be always prepared, prepared. Yeah. always mm-hmm. prepared for anything to jump off for you, not well, just for for that environment, because you'll never know. And the case with me and the voice, I didn't know. <laughs> I I told them told the show no for months. I was like, I'm not doing it, really? not doing it, not doing it. Yeah. And then finally, when I finally said yes, I had like three weeks. In hindsight, I'm like, if I had said Yes, earlier, I could have taken it home. Because you could have had that extra time. I, I would have had yeah. it, and I would have been able to study the show. I would have yeah. been able to know the lay of the land, mm-hmm. but I but I didn't. I was not prepared. Mm-hmm. I got in my own way in that regard, I'm yeah. sure. Well, uh, I will say preparation is key, but yeah. maybe not in this particular case. <laughs> um, so if you've been preparing by washing and reusing your condoms, not a good thing to do, according to the CDC. Um, and, they, and they started the statement with, we say it because people do it. Um, do not wash or reuse your condoms. Use a fresh one for each sexual act. Um, it mm. seems like this is stuff we should all know. But but again, honestly, there are people, and this is worldwide, they're really mm-hmm. addressing Mm-hmm. And even here in the United States, there are people that don't have access to condoms, mm-hmm. that for getting a condom is very prohibitively, it's difficult for them. Maybe they have to travel far to get one or the pricing or, you know, whatever. There are barriers to obtaining these things mm-hmm. sometimes. And some people feel like they can wash and reuse. And the CDC wants to let you know it's just not as safe. Okay. <laughs> but you also, too, remember when, um, like, maybe the early 2000s, yeah. that was a discussion 
all over the place. Like BET had discussions. There was songs about it. There was commercials mm-hmm. about it. Uh, not necessarily the condom use, but just using condoms. Yeah, yeah. So now we come come to an era where those people who you know the people who are in that generation, like we know, because it's kind of been everywhere. But when's the last time you saw a commercial about, about using, using a condom? Yeah. That's a great point. Right. So now you have a whole another generation after us that. They just kind of know they're there, mm-hmm. but unless somebody really sat down with them and educated them about it, because I don't know if they necessarily do all that in schools, you're just going to think, okay, well, you know, I use it so she doesn't get pregnant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, that that there's like a disconnect there, but again, you can't have the world, unfortunately, not unfortunately, but you can't have the world kind of teach the kids. There yeah. has to be mm-hmm. some type of thing there, but I'm, I'm, well, I'm more, I'm guessing that there's just a generation of kids that just don't. They have no idea because they there's no it's no, there's no discussion about it. they don't talk yeah. about TV shows it's not in movies you see a person maybe rip like rip open the condom but you don't see them use another condom maybe <laughs> you may see maybe, that maybe, now because yeah. insecure caught some heat for not showing oh, really? oh not like showing. the use of condoms in their show yeah wow. but they use the so, condom they you see them you might see them rip open the condom and you might see them do the act but you don't see them in the middle of the act. Ripping open another, no, another or, one. Yeah, you're right. It, it felt like. Back, yeah, you're right. Yeah, and it felt like back in the day they would make a point to do it as to be like, oh, and this is the PSA time. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know yeah. if they have that anymore because of like the Hulu's and the Netflix and stuff yeah. like that, and people fast forward through commercials. So I don't know if that's a, a thing. These are yeah. really good points, guys. Because I was just gonna say that's nasty. <laughs> but you just <laughs> so don't I'm glad. know. No, no, yeah, no. Yeah. I mean, this it, it it makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Did you ever find yourself giving advice to any of the contestants where it was like, I can't believe I have to give this. Blood Blatantly obvious advice. Not that kind of advice. No. <laughs> oh no, not in that way. Um, but, uh, <laughs> um, did I ever have to? No, I can't. They, they, no, they're they had, pretty sharp. They had together. It? Yeah, I mean, for me, well, let's say the, for me, the obvious thing is like take care of your body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it wasn't for them. A lot of them are like yeah. late teens, early twenties, like we discussed earlier. Like you're used to just picking up and going and and not having any um, consequence for that yeah. initially. So that that is the only thing that like really is blaring to me. Yeah. That I had to. Well, I think I think that I think that's big. It's even bigger than the washing or using because of taking care of yeah. your body and like yeah. you sometimes you don't you just don't have an appreciation for it when you're young. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. I think there's like that and I. I that and money. I feel mm-hmm. like people, this is a whole other topic, so I'm just going to touch it lightly. It's like I feel like there's a lot of, there's a generation, or including ourselves, where you have no idea of how money really works mm-hmm. until your credit's so screwed up that mm-hmm. you can't do something. So I feel like, you know, uh, taking care of the body part, I remember my coaches telling me about that, right? And you didn't really appreciate it until after it's like, oh, yeah, that now it makes sense. Mm-hmm. But the stuff like, you know, money or even, you know, preparing, mm-hmm. preparing in no matter what you want to do and looking beyond, you know, the money, actually doing what you love and consistently doing it. Mm-hmm. That's when you'll get the reap the rewards. Mm-hmm. You have people who want to do it and then they just give up and they're like, oh, OK, like mm-hmm. I, I, it didn't happen for me. I would see that yeah. with contestants because it because of the um, access that we have to immediate gratification mm-hmm. when you post something online yeah when you're getting someone who's saying nope you can get better you can do better try that again try it again it would cause them to kind of cower to mm-hmm. some yeah. degree and break their spirit mm-hmm. that part was you know really interesting to see were you able to overcome that within your contestants absolutely yeah. 
I mean, we practiced the power of intention. There was one in particular with Jesse yeah. Kramer, the rocker. Yeah. And, who, um, who, who almost improbably, you know. Yeah. I mean, he was kind of like a miracle to even yeah. get on the show. To, not to get on the show, but to, to, to take a chair. Yeah. Because he took out a powerhouse, wonderful, like, black singer. Yeah. And he came up and sang Jeff Buckley's Hallelujah <laughs> on his guitar. And it was very, like, unlike anything that the show was even looking for. Yeah. But prior to, um, I had a conversation with him about envisioning what he wanted. Yeah. He wanted, and he did exactly what he said he wanted to do, which was show that rock and roll was not dead. Yeah. And uh, one of his favorite artists is Elvis. And I said to him, literally before he gets on stage, I said, give him Elvis. If you go back and you watch his audition, Diddy references an artist who blended rock and soul and gospel. And that artist is Elvis. And I lost it because I'm like, we just set that intention. And I'm really a big believer that if you come to any platform, any room with what you want to get accomplished Mm -hmm. um, and what you want people to walk away with, they'll catch that. So to hear Diddy say that back. Oh, was amazing. amazing. Oh, that's crazy. That's, yeah. I love when people can just kind of manifest yeah. mm-hmm. what they want, but putting the work behind it yeah. and make sure they get there. Yeah, because he's, I mean, he was one of the, I shouldn't say few, but he just worked in a way that others didn't, yeah. which I think helped to make him And not shine. to be afraid of being the first one to do it, yeah. to kind of buck the trend. Yeah. Wow. Um, the last story is on breastfeeding as a choice. And um, we actually talked about this before, but so we'll talk about um, your personal um, experience with this. But it turns out that black infant deaths are higher than white infant deaths um, when it comes to breastfeeding so they, or, or size and weight. They're finding that um, even with college-educated black women, that there are disproportionate amount of infant deaths due to size and weight. Two times the rate of, um, of black babies are dying at or twice the rate of white babies as a result. And even in San Francisco, when you kind of correct for the affluent population, mm-hmm. it's 9.6 out of 1,000 versus 2.1 out of 1,000. And they're attributing this to saying that breastfeeding really is largely presented as a choice to black women and because of the, I guess, the history of slavery where black women were forced to breastfeed um, the what do you, the slavery the owners, yeah, the kids. <laughs> trying to say in the most politically correct oh, way. We don't need that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, the black women, the mammies, yeah. were breastfeeding all them white kids. Yeah. And so, and so, there's been some sort of cultural stigma, I guess, with breastfeeding um, tied to slavery for black women. And so, they're saying that they need to be, they need to get better images, and that it needs to be promoted to black women. That really, 12 months is the gold standard for breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. But you guys said you guys didn't have this experience. Mm-mm. I never heard that. I really want to know who who was the author of this yeah. because, like, I have a lot of friends who have kids. Um, I, I'm both my mother and my dad's side come from big families. That wasn't, if anything, the the reason why people stopped breastfeeding is because they had to go back to work. Wait, wait, but you're you're from Canada. I'm from Canada. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're saying because it's like slavery. So yeah, there was. <laughs> <laughs> You do realize there was slavery in the islands too, right? That's how we got there. We got dropped off first. Oh wait, so but yeah. so no, I'm saying just, wait, was there just, slavery in Canada? So no, no. I'm All right, here's the she's from the island. Oh, oh, okay. Here's her family's education. There are slaves for the Underground Railroad. They went to Canada. That's yeah. why you have the black people in Nova Scotia. They they're actually Americans. But they went to they went to Canada. Yeah. So technically, there wasn't slave slavery in Canada. Yeah. However, the slaves went to Canada because oh, okay, there's okay. you know there's there's freedom. Mm-hmm. However, in the islands, we just got dropped off first, so there was slavery there. Okay. So it's a huge 
huge it's a it's still a huge thing but I've never heard of the, the reason why a black woman doesn't want to breastfeed because they attribute it to slavery oh you know I, I never heard yeah. that either I, I, that's yeah. why I'm really curious on who who wrote well, the article well I think and I, were they black yeah that's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's the main question we're trying to get to. That's, that's the main question no, I know they're trying to soften it up and no I think I mean to me, it made sense. I mean, obviously, you guys are black women have a different experience, but to me, it made sense that there would be some sort of generational f- fear or, uh, you know, anti that because it's so tied to slavery. So if it came from your great-grandmother, you might not know why you feel that way. You right. might not be like, oh, this is a slavery thing, mm-hmm. but you just know she didn't breastfeed, wasn't a big fan of it, got formula right away, and then you kind of continues that trend, and it's never made important to you. Yeah, but she the whole the thing is she didn't breastfeed her children because she was breastfeeding other people's children. So if, and in anything, it should be the reverse effect, that you should be encouraged, like the grandmother no. would encourage her daughter to breastfeed her own children because she, was, she uh, wasn't able she to to do that with children. That. Yeah. Well, I, I think they're saying she didn't because she just thought she thought of her own breastfeeding as tied to slavery, so she didn't even encourage her to do no, it. To no, no, because when you're looking down, you see a white baby that's not yours. But, yeah, I think you just be gro- t- like grossed out because it's just not your baby. Mm. Versus, like, I, yeah, I don't, but, I don't, yeah, I, I, I want to see who I'm not. But, well, no, but so, here, here's this part of the study: they they find that black babies, infants, are given formula nine times more than white babies in the hospital after birth. So. You're not even getting a chance there. You know they're they're giving white, black babies formula nine times more than they're giving white babies formula in the and they're I letting that if, mother choose. And this isn't like amongst a certain economic class of blacks. Yeah, they're saying they controlled for this. No, yeah, no, I've never I heard any of that. Yeah, because yeah, the only the only way the only way um, they'd be given formula is if the mother and I've heard this across you know black women and white women etc. is that they can't breastfeed the baby because there's no milk coming out. So there there's like they don't latch. Which is a whole thing. But I think so, they're saying mm-hmm. that these doctors are making the decision just to give these babies formula. Well, that the doctors okay. make the decision. That's a whole different thing. No, no, no. No, that's what's happening. The, the, these hospitals are giving these babies formula at nine times the rate that they're giving to white babies. Well, then that's that's a discussion that you have with your doctor. So that has nothing to do with what the woman. If, if, if I, as a mother, no, no. The idea is, are they treating black women differently when they come to the hospital? Well, of course because, they do. Serena's well, yeah, talking Serena's about that. Yeah. Serena's talked about that um, plenty of times when she did her documentary. So it's a matter of not being educated. By your doctor. Is that what we're saying? Is that the question? Yeah, basically they're saying there's three or four reasons why um, black women have a lower breastfeeding rate. One's the slavery idea. One's the other idea that we're not getting the same care as white women are when we're going to the hospital and that doctors are not valuing our choices or our options at the time. The third is that it's being presented to women as a choice rather than like this is something that's mandated. I mean, but it is a choice. I mean, people don't... They're not mandating or telling black women the American Academy Pediatrics says 12 months is what you should be doing. Gotcha. Versus like, oh, this is just maybe if you want to. Yeah, Yeah, but if the doctor literally hands my baby formula without asking me, then that's a problem. Because I wonder how many black women know this or believe that. Well, the, well, that's that's the whole thing about speaking up for yourself. And yeah. I think a lot of people just let, no matter whether it's health or whatever, people just allow things to to happen, which you have to question it all the every time. Because even though you know us at this table want well for each other, that other person doesn't know you from mm-hmm. Adam. Mm-hmm. So they they may subconsciously, because they think you're human, but they think you're different, so they're just going to assume based off of whatever they saw in the past that, oh, you're going to want this. Mm-hmm. And that's not, you're not, that's not, you. that's why you have to almost be very vocal where they know, okay, well, she might say something, so yeah. let me ask first. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so difficult to do that 
without knowing that you're in a disadvantaged situation. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of almost similar in the entertainment industry where you have to be vocal about things that you don't know necessarily to be vocal about, but maybe yeah. have a feeling about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, how did you navigate that? How do you tell that to contestants that are new into the industry, like when to speak up, when not to speak up, when to be mm-hmm. like the person that's cool and can be cool to work with versus now they're going too far and it's kind of... Um, that's a really great question because I think in any business there are some concessions that need to be made along the way to that are reasonable success right but if they if they violate if the concessions that you would have to make violate what you value and yourself you always have to say something yeah did you I I don't think that that's an that's negotiable you know you you need to speak up when you feel like you're being taken advantage of or you're being robbed in some cases and mm-hmm. I think you see um, right now with the rise of the, the independent artist movement yeah. people are realizing like you all have been robbing us for decades mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just to be quite honest I'm a songwriter ain't no money in songwriting right now because I thought that was where the money was. <laughs> it was where the money was. Yeah, it was. The it was, but it, it, it's not now, and a lot, large part of it is because the laws have changed, mm-hmm. right? So the way that things were paid out when we were actually buying physical copies of albums or the only way you could consume music if not purchasing it was on the radio now it's streaming, the laws are different we're actually now in the fight to, to change that yeah. um, but in part Y'all are stealing from me. So, <laughs> that, you know, that's something that a lot of us, Sona being one of them, um, songwriters of uh, North America have gotten together to, like, raise hell over this to make sure that we're not um, being mistreated in this way and, and, and can actually live. Because yeah. it's come down to songwriters who have records that are popular. Um, they may be uh high on streaming charts yeah. not necessarily um, radio because yeah. there's always a yeah, large chunk chunk of money that comes with that yeah. but if you say you have something that goes does well virally it doesn't not. guarantee that you're going to be mm-hmm. able to like live off of that and are you able to do you tell your mentees like hey this is how the industry is going to work you over I absolutely do. Yeah. And to and make sure that they educate themselves mm-hmm. on the business that they're in and look for ways to um, monetize other aspects of their... Um, Multiple streams of income. Yeah, basically. Yeah. It, I mean, we, we're all doing it. We're branding ourselves now, right? So, yeah. you, so Shaka Strong <laughs> is a brand. It's yeah. not just you anymore. So artists have to do that. And uh, you even find that consumers are looking for people that they can buy into, not just the music mm-hmm. yeah. anymore. Which is unfortunate. So, yeah, yeah, it is. Because you can no longer be about the art or about the profession. Now you have to. Uh, you don't have to, but in order, if you're to make a certain amount of money, mm-hmm. like for instance, you can't just be a basketball player. Oh. Like LeBron James is a producer. Mm-hmm. Now he has like three or four shows. He's still playing basketball. He just opened up a school. Mm-hmm. Like you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and you don't have to have his type of money, but guaranteed, if somebody else comes into to the league and does all that, people are gonna now know him, look for him, and then support him no matter what team he's on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know you it's 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 a lot of pressure no matter what you what you do to separate yourself from you know from the pack beyond the the talents that you have. It is a lot of pressure. It's a whole marketing you know system. The beauty of it I'm finding is that it allows someone like me 
to stretch and be creative in other ways. Yeah. So I've always had a love for passion. I mean, I'm, a love for passion. <laughs> I, I love passion too. But a love for music and the arts and business. Mm-hmm. And so when we're used to seeing someone who sings or someone who plays the piano or plays basketball, all you tend to think is, well, that's what you do. I naturally rebel to that. No, I don't just do that. I can manage your artists as well Mm -hmm. or come and coach someone over here. So it's allowing people like me the freedom to be more than just one thing. So we can't say, shut up and sing. (laughs) Shut up up and dribble. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which is his Uh, (laughs) doctor. I I love that that epic uh, epic trolling of, what is it, Laura Ingram. Did you hear about that whole... Yeah, I didn't. So, so, you know, he made a a political comment, LeBron, and Laura Ingram, uh, Fox Fox host, Mm -hmm. said, shut up and dribble. You know, and she lost a lot of, you know, a lot of sponsors as a result. Um, And of course now LeBron just inked a new deal with Showtime to produce a series called Shut Up and Dribble that wow. will talk about basketball, race, sports, politics. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was pretty, she pretty epic. She just gave him the one up. Beautiful, beautiful idea. He was like, that's a great <laughs> title for a show. <laughs> yeah, people have been saying that with the NFL and all this other stuff. And it's just kind of one of those things like you can't have the, the best of both worlds. Yeah. Like either, there are some athletes who they just want to play the sport. They want to be left alone. They're yeah. fine with what they're they're getting. They're, they're living where they're living. And there's some athletes who want more. Yeah. So, I mean... For the for people who usually say that, that's the people they just don't want to hear their yeah. you know the opposite opinion. And of mm. course, I mean my only issue is with kids, and that for me that's like as a parent, you're the best you know person to mm-hmm. say, hey, if you don't like LeBron's views, you gotta say, well, look, when you watch him, this is what it's about basketball, and mm-hmm. I don't like the political views, and you impart that to your kid, and that's mm-hmm. got to be you saying. How, here's how to discern the different messages you get from the world. Right. Mm-hmm. But then also forces you, and again, you probably could speak more of it as being a parent, but if this person's political views are this, find out why their political views is this versus, no, they're just total opposite for me. Yeah. Yeah. Because then, then then you as a parent are educating yourself to see both sides. Yeah. Because I've learned so much. I, I worked for a conservative radio station for a period of time, and I learned so much about you know the Republican view which is like, okay, I could see parts of it. Some of it mm-hmm. I just don't understand, but I can see why there is a, a fight for certain things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's not until you understand both sides that you can actually make, you know, a, 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 a reasoning and kind of know why people are coming from these sides. Mm-hmm. But you're just going to say, you know, they can't kneel because it's against the flag. Like, yeah. I agree with you. Shut I think up it's, and watch TV. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's in, in, important to hear the other side. Yeah. Um, funny enough, when I was on The Voice, I had two teammates who were Trump supporters. Yeah. They also loved me, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and were big advocates and defenders and protectors of me while I was on that show. Yeah. And I think most of us have this um, idea that if you're for him, then you're against me and everything that I yeah. believe. Um, we definitely don't see eye to eye on a lot. But I do, like to your point, understand some of their views, how they came to that rationale to to decide to vote for him yeah. or continue to support him, um, which, I mean... Yeah, whenever... I, for me, I always have to... <laughs> if I meet a Trump supporter, I have to breathe and go, let me give you a chance. Yeah. Like, like, I just, just yeah. take a step, and then, you know, if it goes too far, then... You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. But, yeah. So. I had, I had a, a, a guest come stay with me for a while from the Midwest, older white guy. He was a Trump supporter. He actually had one of his books... <laughs> I'll never forget this. One of his books, and he took the cover off the book just to preserve it. And I'm like, what the? Like, why are you for this man? Yeah. Like, 
why? You know, I don't, I don't, I don't understand it. And we were able to have conversations about, you know, what brought him to his reasoning and why he was for not so much Trump, but what he thought it would do for people where he was from. Gotcha, yeah. You know, and I think it's important. I tell my son to do that all the time. He went to a school all throughout his life where it was very diverse, you know, and, and we're from the hood. I call Dylan, that's his name, yeah. Dylan boy, a black white boy, because he's got, you know, a <laughs> lot, he know, he's got both. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, to, to your point, I, I agree with you. I think it's important to yeah, see both sides. I think whenever I had a friend who, and very few friends who were Trump supporters, it's always been sort of like we realize, and then it's sort of like, let's just focus on the things we do agree on. Yes. Like, and yes. just like we talk about yes. other stuff that we It's like religion. Yeah. Like, yeah. stay away from politics yeah. and religion. Yeah, you've got to realize, okay, respect you, respect you, and then yeah. move on. Yeah. Just realize that, you know... Uh, the experiences that everybody faces is going to be different. Yeah. And realizing that, you know, just because you experience it, this and it's great doesn't mean that I'm going to experience this. Mm-hmm. Like, I literally was apartment shopping today. The guy came up and saw me and literally kept on driving. Oh, wow. And now you're like, so was that because I look like I'm mm-hmm. from the hood, but you don't realize that I actually work for a major company? Yeah. Or is that just because... You know, and saying you're going through all this stuff, yeah. and there's people that say racism doesn't exist. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Oh, uh, that's crazy. I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is. But you but, know, yeah. yeah but it's, it's like, still whack, though. It is. I did. I did want to ask: Do are do they do any social media training now in this age of like, oh, your tweet from five years ago might get you off the show? Did, was that an, an element on the four? Uh huh. Oh, really? we'd have to go and clean sweep. <laughs> 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 like, you know, there were certain things that the not necessarily not necessarily the sh- the show but the network yeah. couldn't get behind. Yeah. So if you have anything on your social media that would trace back to the network, absolutely. So tip number 1. Yeah. And before you hit fame. Yeah. But can you um, clean 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 like can it officially be clean sweep like meaning like it There's some gone, programs out there where or people you can hire to delete gone. your entire Twitter. It might be cast. But if you're like if no one knows who yeah, you are. Yeah, but I have deleted Stuff off Twitter, but for does like it a, go somewhere else? Basically, I could probably find it in the cast of Google, but like maybe I think it's just thirty days, or I forget the uh, limit okay. of time. Okay, okay. And then go to the cast page, and I can like, I maybe see what was saved before. Wow, mm-hmm. but, uh, interesting. <laughs> and then we do have a, an update uh, for Demi Lovato. Uh, she just was just released from Cedar Sinai, twenty five years old. Um, She's on to rehab, and she said she's, you know, she's got a battle. She's continuing, Mm -hmm. and she's, you know, she's realized it's a continuing battle. But six years sober, and on July 24th, she had the OD. Of course, in the entertainment industry, drugs, alcohol, as we talked about, is a a lure, a temptation. You can fall into a hole. How do you navigate that when, you know, sometimes that big neck music exec might hand you the drink, and you want the drink, or you think you can handle it, but you find out later you can't? And we know there's a lot of alcohol drugs yeah. in this industry. Well, some some of it is just social, yeah. right? You don't have to be in this business to 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 drink yeah. and to kick it yeah. um, in that way. But I honestly think the answer to that is self love mm. and self validation, self awareness. Yeah. yeah, and because a lot of artists, unfortunately, as brilliant as we can be, come here not really believing that. And we come looking for someone to validate us. We mm. come looking for someone to say, you're worthy. Mm. And in attempts to feel that sense of worthiness, we make decisions that are against our best interest. Yeah. Um, 
drinking may be one of them. Drugs could be another. Sleeping with someone, you know, yeah. is is another. And I find that what has sustained me has been um, my ability. And first, my network, my family, my friends, they've been great. Yeah. Um, they are quick to check me if I'm wrong. I think that's important. <laughs> you cannot have yes men around you. Mm-hmm. It will kill you. Yeah. Um, literally. Um but also my quest to to understand myself and to make sure that I wasn't going into this business broken mm-hmm. and that I'm not spewing out brokenness and toxicity, which so many of us are because we don't know mm-hmm. to take care of ourselves in that way. Mm-hmm. That's a big, I'm a big advocate for that. Um, and when I work with clients, whether it's on a television show or off um, camera, I make it a point that we're nourishing ourselves back to what Beyonce is, is choosing to do for herself right now. It's so important. Mm-hmm. If I feel at peace with who I am, I can tell that executive, like, nah, I don't, I don't need to do that. Yeah. And a lot of times they're looking for someone who's broken, who's broken, yeah, and who's young and who's yeah. dumb. Yeah. <laughs> and, that, and that will sometimes translate into respect versus not respect. Absolutely. But I think it's so tough, especially if you're on a show like The Voice or The Four, where maybe you see some of the other people hanging out at the parties and like they're mm-hmm. inviting you and you're like, so like go to the after part. Like, because you want to still remain competitive and feel, but at the same time, it's like if you know that's not an environment that's going to be conducive for your growth. I don't think you can be a great artist without having your own personal constitution. Did you have to did you have to like develop that? Did you have to say like this is who I am and kind of say it out loud to yourself for you to kind of operate in the Absolutely. Industry? I had to yeah. develop that. And I'm still developing it because as I get older, as I mature, my beliefs are changing, yeah. you know, my needs are changing both physically and de- mentally and emotionally, certain things I just cannot have around me. Yeah. Um but that wasn't the case when I first started. And I encourage other artists to do that, too. You're not an artist without a point of view. Yeah. Right? You can be an entertainer. You can be a musician, mm-hmm. great singer. An artist has a point of view. Sorry. I'm, <laughs> now you get I love the passion, right? eh? <laughs> An artist has a point of view. If yeah. you do not have that, yeah. you're not an artist. Yeah. And you're not going to survive this. You're lost. I mean, even with that, you take you know, someone like Michael Jackson, who's greater than, than yeah. he who still had his own issues that he was working through. Very clear point of view, musically. Yeah. Yeah. But to have that in your private life mm-hmm. is is paramount. And I think Beyonce is an amazing example of that. Because mm-hmm. we don't really know much about, except for what they are now yeah. revealing to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We don't know. Yeah. And that's wise. Yeah. But we're now getting this clear picture of what she is passionate about, and her people are at the top of that. Yeah, I, um, we're gonna try to get a clear picture of what you're passionate about okay. with our Fit Club Five. Okay, these are gonna All be right. five rapid fire questions. Okay. You just answer off the top. TK, you got it. All right, here we go. So, last person you text? My son. Uh, dream dinner guest? Ooh. Alive or dead? Oh, Brittany Murphy. Oh, last wow. meal. Last meal. Lasagna. If you were a crayon, what color would you be? Purple. And mm-hmm. if you were on death row, what would be your last meal? 
Oh, actually, lasagna would be my last meal. Sorry. So you just had your lasagna your last meal? <laughs> no, and no, no. No, no, no. It would be my last meal. I was thinking oh. that question. So what was sorry. your actual last my meal? My actual last meal, sorry, guys, uh, a handful of uh, Honey Nut Cheerios. Oh, that's Damn. not so bad. I thought you'd be like Chitlins. Like, oh, no, no. Oh. I ain't messing with that. No, <laughs> the no, Shane. Can you even have Chitlins in L.A.? The way she said it was like, oh, that's awful. Because I'm like, that's the, come on, that's all you ate today? Really, Court? Oh, that's I, all you ate today? Yeah. Oh, that's not good. Yeah, it's yeah. not good. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> semi better than Chitlins. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's it. Uh, we got to get to some self-care after yes. this. Um, it, what, uh, what other projects do you have coming up? Uh, right now, I am coaching more, yeah. which I'm excited about. Um, it's private coaching right now. Okay. I'm getting gearing up for season three, which won't up. come up to. I would love yeah. that. I got you. Um, I don't just work with artists. I work with execs and actors uh, yeah. and whatever. So I'm also um, developing content for television, nice. which I'm excited about. Um, what else? So you know, I have the psych ward. We had that event yes, like last yes. year. So that's picking up again. And, and how did you come to coach on the four? How did I had a friend who is a songwriter? Yeah. Actually, we're working tomorrow together. Oh. Um, Sam Waters. He is a great friend of mine, and he is a he's an exec on that show. Um, and he hit me and was like, "Courtney, are you interested in doing this?" And I said, "Hell yeah!" Nice. So. It's one of my bucket lists because I wanted to be able to go back to an environment that I had no one guiding me through. And be able to be that and voice. And be able to help them. No pun yeah. intended. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, um, well, we're excited to see you for season three. And uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you this for having awesome. me. I had a great time thank with you, you both. You. So um, we're going to uh, see you guys next week. I'm Shaka Smith. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at Shaka Strong. And my name is TK Trinidad. You can find me on everything at TK Trinidad. I'm Courtney Harrell. You can find me at I am Courtney Harrell on Instagram, Courtney Harrell on Twitter and Facebook. See you guys next week. Ciao. Thank you. From executives Kevin Undergaro, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, and the entire BHL staff, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us. Info at BlackHollywoodLive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I am the official voice of Black Hollywood Live. Scipio, Instagram, at KingXOBay. Thanks for tuning in. Hollywood Redefined. The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.